Welcome to another episode of the SOS show. I'm your host Suchita and today we have with us Dr. Mithika Kanabar. Uh Dr. Kanabar is an addiction medicine physician based in USA, focused on mental health awareness, coping with daily stress and anxiety and achieving work-life balance. Dr. Kanabar also educates teenagers and adults about stress, mental health and addiction in today's rapidly changing school and work environment. Her talks focus on coping strategies, setting boundaries and reframing instances our daily life. Uh, in case you wish to connect to uh, Dr. Kanabar, you could email her uh, mindsatwa@gmail.com. You can also Twitter her at kanabarmd. Also she has a website mithikakanabar.com. She's won various awards including American Board of Addiction Medicine, Next Generation Fellow and Boston University's Research in Addiction Medicine Scholar. Hi Dr. Kanabar, welcome to the SOS show and I believe you're in India right now. Yes, I am, Sucheta. What made you come to India? I came to India to attend uh, a, an international conference. It's called mm-hmm. International Society of Addiction Medicine. Mm-hmm. It was uh, interestingly in India this year in New Delhi. So that's where I was and I just got back from that back to Mumbai. Mhm. And I believe you have been meeting a lot of kids out there as well. Yes, um mm-hmm. I did go and see the local NGO SPYM mm-hmm. over there where, who specifically works with children with addiction and mm-hmm. they also have adult uh, male and adult female um, mm-hmm. um wonderful yeah mm. mental health and addiction uh, what an interesting uh, topic to talk about and be interested in what made you get into this field you know as an individual people do not get into a field like this very easily What you're saying Suchita is very true. Um mm. I did my MBBS here in uh, Mumbai and then I mm. went abroad to, to do uh, research so I did epidemiology for a while and then mm. I got in, and then I missed medicine so I went back into medicine. Um mm. I did my residency in uh, family medicine. Mm. So I remember as a first year intern they told me that there's this um, you know the tough spots sometimes you have to navigate as an intern because um, you know uh the seniors have more things to do mm-hmm. so they told me that there's this one patient who's not willing to talk to anybody and we've been trying to get her to talk mm-hmm. so since uh, you know you have a little bit more time can you go talk to her and see if if she can tell you how we can help her and mm-hmm. uh, you know that doesn't sound too great at the outside like you come in the morning and you're given this big task ahead of mm-hmm. you that um people more senior than you haven't been able to establish Mm-hmm. So I go to the ward, go to her room, and she's actually nicely having a conversation with somebody in a in a lab coat. So mm-hmm. you know, being a resident, we all wear scrubs, and I'm like, why is this lady in a lab coat, and why is she in this patient's room? Because that patient belongs to our service or our uh, group of physicians. So then uh, that lady exited, and then I went and talked to the patient, and she was happily talking to me. Mm-hmm. um and then i'm like what happened so she's like um go talk to that other other lady so then i ran after the the doctor who had just left mm-hmm. and i met with her and i'm like um what did you do how did this big change happen and mm-hmm. so she explained to me that this poor lady was suffering and she needed help for her addiction mm-hmm. and i just explained to her that we have this specific clinic that's just across the street and mm-hmm. these are the forms you need to fill out and you'll be able to be seen over there Mm-hmm. and that changed everything that changed the whole uh, perception 
mm-hmm. for the patient as to what her impatience is going to be like. And I'm like, wow, okay, mm-hmm. I don't know what all you just said, but mm-hmm. I want to learn more from you. And she's like, okay, so next year you you might be able to come and uh, shadow us and do an elective mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. And then you can learn more. So come on over. We need more people like you who are interested. So that's kind mm-hmm. of how the the year later I did an elective uh, in addiction medicine with one of the very prominent doctors in the field who happened to be at my hospital. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I even did an elective, um, which is like elective means a rotation at mm-hmm. uh, Hazelden Treatment Center. It's the best treatment center in the U.S., one of the best places. Mm-hmm. where I shadowed a patient. So shadowing a patient means you pretend to be a patient going through rehab. So I did that mm-hmm. for a week. Mm-hmm. And that was a very touching experience for me mm-hmm. because, um, you know, the patient is going through this most vulnerable period in their lives. Yeah. And just by being there for them, um, mm. and you help them get better just by being there. It doesn't... It doesn't uh, it's, how do I put it? Uh, you know, it's not like you're doing miracles, but just mm. by having the time to to get to know the patient well, um, you're mm-hmm. going to uh, make a difference. So that's kind of what mm. reached out to me. And uh, mm. in addiction medicine, we get a lot of time with the patients. That was my one um, reason for uh, which I wanted to do that work going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Shadowing a patient, did this field transform you as a person in terms of making you more compassionate, understanding life more deeply? Certainly. I mean, you can't mm. go through such a yes. such a beautiful experience and not yeah. come out changed, right? Yeah. And it was not just the one patient that you shadowed. It was almost like they are in college, like Subhase Shamtak, mm. they have lectures. And mm-hmm. in the evening, when all the lectures are over, they would have mm. something like... A, almost like a fireside chat where they would share their journey like this is my second time this is my third time this is my fourth time in rehab so the theme is that you know this is a relapsing remitting disease but we are all coming back for help because we want to be helped Mm -hmm. so when patients kind of you know relax and tell you their actual story which may or may not come in a in a typical medical setting that's Mm -hmm. when you get to know the extent of the toll that this disease takes on people's lives Mm-hmm. Mm. Mithika, tell me something. Would you recommend more people to come into this field? And before we actually get into your uh, main topic of discussion, mental health and addiction, uh, is it any message you would like to give to your listeners that why people should choose this as a career as well? I would say it depends on you. Because mm. when you do medicine, it depends mm. on you. There are so many options available to you. Yeah. Um, mental health, certainly there is a severe shortage of the number yeah. of people that are available to take care of uh, others. Mm. Um, so that being said, yes, we need as many people as we can get. At the same mm-hmm. time, if you are really born to be a surgeon, then go do that, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, for mm-hmm. With addiction medicine, th- pace is a little bit slower. You need to have a lot of mental reserve and, uh, you know, because you're, you are going to do your, the best you can and sometimes the disease just takes over and you mm-hmm. should be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want a rewarding career in which you get to spend a lot of time with the patients and uh, see things, how they get better, then yes, this is the this is a great field for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mental health and addiction, um, Dr. Kanamar, how would you define addiction? So the 
the textbook definition of addiction is a little bit long, so mm-hmm. bear with me. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so uh, the American Society of Addiction Medicine just revised it this year. So this is a great question. Mm-hmm. Addiction is a treatable chronic medical disease involving mm-hmm. complex interactions mm-hmm. among brain circuits, genetics, the environment, mm-hmm. and an individual's life experiences. People mm-hmm. with addiction use substances mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. engage in behaviors that mm-hmm. become compulsive and mm-hmm. often continue despite harmful consequences. Prevention efforts and treatment approaches for addiction are generally as successful as those for other chronic diseases. Mm-hmm. So this is the official definition. Um, to put it simply, addiction is a chronic medical disease which involves brain circuits, people with adverse life events, whether it is abuse, neglect, mm-hmm. uh, financial insecurity, um, food insecurity, will have more tendency of developing addiction and mm-hmm. uh, then uh, once the disease of addiction takes over uh, even say you lose your job or other things happen you lose the ability to say no and mm-hmm. uh, the newer treatment patterns that we use we treat it as a chronic medical disease almost like you would treat diabetes or blood pressure something that you're going to live with mm-hmm. okay, and that you're mm-hmm. going to keep on managing but it, it's not a curable disease if you get that point Mm, absolutely. Dr. Kanabar, in today's times, what kind of patients uh, come to you? And how does the addiction work in today's context, in the times that we are living right now? So, um, the most important addiction that we should be aware of is tobacco mm. and tobacco mm. products, whether it's mm. smoke tobacco or smokeless tobacco. Mm. That is the number one killer, either directly or indirectly, all across the globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is tobacco this harmful? Well, other than causing the cancers that everybody knows about, you know, uh, mm. people know that smoking causes lung cancer. Mm. It can also cause throat cancer, cancer of the esophagus, that is your food pipe. It can cause cancer of the stomach. It can cause cancer of the bladder and so on. Mm. It can, uh, mm. So that's just cancer. Mm. But other than that, it can Im- impact your heart and your brain too, mm. where, where you can have like a little bit of... Um, Uh, blood vessel changes both in the heart and the brain level and sometimes even though your cause of death would be something related to the heart or the brain but the tobacco Mm. made it worse enough for you to get there Mm. Um, and life-wise quality of life-wise the most important um, tobacco related illness would probably be chronic obstructive pulmonary disease also also known as uh, COPD Mm -hmm. that is where you kind of need to be on an oxygen tank at home to mm. just kind of survive through the day. So imagine a, a smoker going home with an oxygen tank. We have to get mm-hmm. them to quit first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so from that aspect, tobacco is the most important. Other than mm-hmm. that, most frequently I see alcohol use because it's mm-hmm. so socially normative, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. going to go party and so it's yes. okay, it's acceptable. Yes. So when that is the case, people don't realize when, you know, Um, when just the social use becomes a daily use and when a daily use becomes a problematic use. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's very uh, sudden uh, to Mm -hmm. that person, um, but Mm -hmm. others will tell him like, okay, or her that, you know, you need to get help. So that's kind of what I see. Those are the two most common. Mm -hmm. Now, in the context that I work in the U.S., the opioid crisis is a big problem in the US. Okay. So that okay. is, um, op- what is an opioid? Opioid yes. is uh, 
uh, heroin like product whether it is okay. direct derivative of heroin or if mm-hmm. it is a synthetic kind of a knockoff version of the of the heroin product mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so that is um, a really big problem within the US mm-hmm. and actually it's also now becoming a bigger problem in India um, oh. slowly mm-hmm. as we go on So, mm-hmm. um the other than that i see patients with cannabis use i even see patients who are using too much of internet or gambling too much online mm. or doing other internet. activities online mm. like mm-hmm. shopping and uh, there are so many other substances that can be misused that i see from time to time in my clinic mm-hmm. absolutely so going back to the addiction tobacco alcohol opioid crisis your internet and could be gambling could be shopping Would you like to specifically pick up something like for example how does an internet or overuse of internet or shopping affect your mental health Wonderful question Sachita So yes. as far as the definitions are concerned there's no mm. specific definition for an internet use disorder mm. It is not yet recognized um, by the official body so as to say Sure Now we you know even if you go talk in a community setting if you tell mm. everybody who here thinks that they are addicted to it, to their phone literally mm. everybody's hands will go up yes so that is something that the people will accept that there is there but mm. scientifically we need to understand what the pathways are and prove them over and over again with studies mm. before we can define what is internet addiction sure so that's kind of we are, we are in this gray zone and actually there are many many studies happening Mm-hmm. uh in india and across the world to define this better so one mm-hmm. of the things that is recognized as uh, internet gambling or online gambling mm-hmm. and it's also again under further study sort of category so that's mm-hmm. kind of the the reality of that situation now the other part of your question is mm-hmm. how does uh, this affect somebody well first of all first effect mm-hmm. is the amount of time that you spend you mm-hmm. most people are spending anywhere between 2 to 4 hours if they are just using it for like getting from point A to point B yes um uh, and that may not be a problematic use it depends on what the effect the device has on you sometimes when you say mm. like if you shop too much do you own the clothes or do the clothes own you it's kind of mm. a similar ideology mm. here mm-hmm. so the quality of your interaction with the device is very important which is why we discuss this on a case by case basis Mm-hmm. um so amount of time spent so sometimes i get uh, people who have spent about 6 to 7 hours would be just pretty much normal They, if you mm-hmm. do a screen time report you will see that you are spending that much time mm-hmm. and uh, you know on the other end i get about 12 hours of gaming on their phone or 12 hours yeah. of insta and twitter on their phone Mm-hmm. and then they will be doing another 5 hours of tv which doesn't even get counted on your phone because you know the the app doesn't track how much tv you watch on your old fashioned tv mm-hmm. so imagine people are losing uh, on an average about 2 days a week just in front of their devices yes so that's 48 hours of your life that you're never getting back <laughs> yes yes on a, on a weekly basis so that yes. is a big problem so mm. when do we know that this is problematic because a lot of people yeah. do this even for work right yes. you know work is lots of people have things on whatsapp and uh, other things going on so when it starts affecting your sleep mm. that is a concern if you're sleeping less and less mm. uh, people tell me most often like you know they get up at 3 or 4 in the morning to go use the restroom but before yeah. they even get there they click on 
their phone yeah. and check their WhatsApp and then there go another two hours. Yes. And then you go to the doctor and asking for sleeping pills. But unless you change the behavior, mm. um, sleeping pills add an addiction in itself. Yes. Um, and you, you can't go there that much. So that would be one. The second is depression. Lots and yeah. lots of people who are, especially teenagers, who get uh, either cyberbullied or catfished will have much more incidence of depression and severe depression mm. at that. Mm-hmm. So I, we get that. Uh, overall, just they are not going to attain as much in life if you're busy on a screen. So your grades will drop. You will not get into college. Or even if you're in college, you are not very motivated to do things. You are have this. You are in this a motivational space. Are chore na jaane de kya karna hai type of situation. Yeah. So yeah. you see that anxiety uh, gets worsened because first of all, most people who are socially anxious want to be on these devices. Mm-hmm. And the more that they are on devices, the less they are interacting socially. So it sets up this vicious cycle. Mm, um, and sometimes things get so bad that these mm. children uh, or young adults will even get suicidal. And that's really concerning. Absolutely. So which part of their brain starts get, getting affected, you know, once they get into the addiction mode of a social media? Uh, uh, any specific thing that the brain starts doing it? So for social media, like I said, there are not mm. as much studies available as far yes. as MRI scans are concerned. Sure. Um, but I can talk about other addictions, how it affects sure. the brain. But before sure. we go to that, social yes. media and gambling, there yeah. are certain centers in the brain that say yeah. that, okay, say, for example, I'll, I like better to talk an example to make it clear. Sure. Say you are playing a game. And yeah. it gives you some some reward, whether it is like some 2500 of their fake coins, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Every time you log in. So you'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, I'm getting 2500 of their fake money points. And mm-hmm. you will feel really good. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when it gives you like a loot box, uh, I'll explain mm-hmm. the concept of a loot box later. Sure. But if it gives you like a loot box and... Um, that um, you pay something to get this upgrade, but upgrade ka box kola to skender, nothing was useful for you in the game. Mm. Um, and you spend like $200 on it. You will not mm. feel that, oh my God, you lost my $200. Your perception of loss is greatly decreased. Mm. Uh, but your perception of reward is kind of completely maintained through this process. So you imagine that if a teenager is doing this, mm. um, they are not going to be able to kind of discern how much money they are losing until they have lost, like completely swiped their credit card away mm. because their loss perception is hampered. Why is all of this important? With any drug, what happens is the foremost area of the brain, just about, mm. just behind the forehead, okay? Mm. That mm. is the part that is called as the prefrontal cortex. That yeah. just means that is the part of the brain that matures the last. Mm. So now mm. if you give it um, any kind of drug, especially like mm. cannabis or whichever, mm. what it's going to do is not going to let that part mature properly. Mm-hmm. That means your rights and wrongs are not going mm. to be coded or insulated uh, like a wire is not going to get insulated properly so that's the problem so the younger you try any substance um, the more likely that you're going to get addicted now over 25 years of age you know you might use excessively but the chances of getting severely addicted are low i'm not saying that doesn't happen i get patients who start didn't start drinking until 35 but they have the genetic tendency and boom Mm. they will get addicted. But Mm -hmm. the younger the patient, the worse the consequences. Mm -hmm. So, doctor, where do you see this heading? Like, 
how bad is it going to get as we move forward in the next century that's kind of like predicting the stock market mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i am no warren buffett mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right now unfortunately the trend is going uh, in significantly mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's a, mm-hmm. it's concerning mm-hmm. enough that uh, mm-hmm. we are trying uh, to get as many people into the field as possible Mm-hmm, absolutely how work. do we how do we control it like how do we control it is there something that you specifically prescribe to the patients reduce your hours with the device whatever you know um so as far as um, substances are concerned be tobacco yeah. be it alcohol yeah. we have medications available so mm-hmm. i would say that you know if you if you know that you have a problem please seek mm-hmm. help now mm-hmm. that is a, maybe a certain percentage of people are uh, know that they have a problem for whatever mm-hmm. reason they had mm-hmm. some consequence whether they lost their job or you know the family got mad at them or whatever they know that they have a problem and they come in and they seek help mm-hmm. um so they can see an addiction expert like myself or go to even your regular doctor even your psychiatrist mm-hmm. and they should be able to help you and mm-hmm. see and lead you to the right path uh so there are two aspects of this one is medication mm-hmm. management which is kind of just to get you out of using that substance mm-hmm. and then after that is psychotherapy that kind of goes on for at least 6 months to a year and then slowly mm-hmm. you do more of a peer group so that therapy is to understand why you were using in the first place sometimes it's just that something was making us uncomfortable whether it was you know exam mein kuch marks nahi aaye or i'm getting too much pressure for exams from my from my family so i will go mm-hmm. use so that in that moment i don't mm-hmm. have to answer the question kitne marks aane wale hai or mm-hmm. or i don't have to tell anybody that i lost my job so in that moment mm-hmm. you feel like oh mm-hmm. okay i'm avoiding so that is one kind of reason people use the other reason they use is you know that that drug or that substance actually makes them feel good you know mm-hmm. um or less socially anxious and mm-hmm. the third reason that they use when their use becomes too much is because they're very very scared of um, the withdrawal symptoms that is the time that you have severe addiction so that one aspect of getting control is um, getting help ask for help mm-hmm. that's the number one thing mm-hmm. now there are a lot of people who are in this other category where you know they think it might be a problem it might not be a problem if it is tobacco mm-hmm. you know try cutting it down try quitting it see how it makes you feel Mm-hmm. and if you having if you are some people are able to just quit on their own you know a lot of people will tell you are mera wo friend tha ye tha wo tha usse to aise hi chhod diya give it a try if if it's mm-hmm. tobacco you can try to quit on the, on your own alcohol mm-hmm. you can only reduce you can't quit suddenly or sleeping mm-hmm. pills you can only reduce not quit suddenly for the same reason you can have seizure or a fit ya akdi whatever you mm-hmm. call it you can get mm-hmm. that so that's why mm-hmm. for those you will have to be very careful just cut mm-hmm. down slowly so mm-hmm. like if if you're drinking five packs and i cut down to four mm-hmm. packs for a week or two and then go down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best thing is to seek help with cases of alcohol and uh, sleeping pills mm-hmm. um so when patients or you know people do that they kind mm-hmm. of realize okay i can actually quit and it doesn't hurt or mm-hmm. they realize oh oh i see why this is a problem i need to get help so that's what i would suggest now mm-hmm. as far as screen time is concerned now that that is fun that is that is a good um, good thing to try to cut down okay mm-hmm. 
So for screen time, I would suggest at least put in, if nothing else, a screen time app on your phone. So like mm-hmm. Apple has its own screen time app. Uh, yeah. the Android phones have uh, their own screen time app or like a mm-hmm. Google family app so that you know mm-hmm. how much uh, time each person in your family is spending on their phone. Mm-hmm. And then uh, look at, it also gives you like a, how many pickups you are doing in an hour. And then mm-hmm. average is nine or 10, but mm-hmm. most people tell me, pick up tabi karenge jabi choda hoga phone. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like mm. no 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 I'm always on my phone so they are mm. pre- people are pretty honest so mm. look at those statistics and mm. only when you know how much time you're spending mm. will you know what your target is going to be and set very moderate targets you know there will be like one or two apps that are constantly on whether it's Twitter or whether it is PUBG yeah. or whether mm. it is Facebook cut, yeah. that, cut that down by a little don't try to go completely nothing Mm. Um, just cut them down by a little and see how you feel and do something mm. else with that time. Plan your time. Mm-hmm. That is the only way you will cut down. Do something else. Go out for a walk. Something else that you're replacing that behavior with that makes you feel good. It can't be PUBG I'm going to sit and study. Then it's not going to last. That much time that you're doing that, you do something fun that gives your brain a reward. Um, that would be one one of the strategies. Another strategy is to turn off notifications except from people. That which means that phone aaya to ring bajni chahiye. Agar message aaya from then you should get that message. But WhatsApp and Twitter and Instagram should completely just turn off those notifications. So a lot of these screen time apps will have that ability that you will you it will lock you out after 15 minutes. So you can try doing that because every time you have to like unlock and so it will make give you that three or four extra seconds to think where you're going. So these are very few of simple basic tips. But when uh, people come to me for more advice, I talk more in detail. Mm-hmm. I think turning off a notification is a great advice. I think it's something that even I need to do, you know, because it's constantly, you no know, keeps on. Your screen is constantly, something or the other is popping up on your screen every second. Exactly. I think that, that's, that's terrible. Yeah, the notification is like the big, um, how do I put it? It propagates a big farce that we can multitask. Yes. We cannot multitask. We can only mm-hmm. move from task to task, but we fool ourselves thinking, I can multitask. I'm writing this article, or notification I can try <laughs> reply to those notifications and go back to writing my article in the same way. No, because you've lost your train of thought. So mm-hmm. turning off notifications makes you understand that no, you don't really multitask. You actually end up spending more time on each of those tasks when you do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Dr. Kanamar, tell me this. Uh, you have been educating teenagers on stress, mental health and addiction. Is there a difference uh, in the attitude of the patients who are in US versus the attitude of patients in India? Um, so in the U.S., I only get to see patients who are really, really ill because they come to my mm-hmm. clinic. I've not done awareness lectures over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, um, the I would say the common threads would be that the parents mm-hmm. are concerned. Mm-hmm. And the parents are like, I don't know where to turn for help. And mm-hmm. they're very worried. They're very worried mm-hmm. because, you know, these children are very depressed. So you, you don't want to shake the boat too much. So you know, to avoid any big things. So mm. they all want help, but I have mm. to put put it down to like, okay, this is going to take time. And then they are willing and they want to do. Mm. Um, uh, it's generally about how your conversation goes either mm. ways. So even mm. in India, the parents are worried, right? 
children or the teenagers, may or may, teenagers and young adults may or may not be worried. Some patients are going to, or some teenagers are going to be like, yes, I want to do this. And they will tell mm. you right away or they'll mm. put it in the feedback form. Mm-hmm. And the others are going to be more reticent. So those are the common threads. Now, mm-hmm. what is different? So the difference mm-hmm. here is um, is that uh, if you have a family and everybody is uh, watching TV, then you can't expect the kid not to watch TV. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, especially in a joint family situation, right? Then mm-hmm. everybody needs to get on the page. Mm-hmm. That name. If the TV is going to be switched off from six to eight, and the kid is going to play downstairs, then you also have to go down, right, and show mm-hmm. a little bit of interest in what the kid mm-hmm. is doing. Otherwise, mm-hmm. how magically does not going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I keep hearing is that more and more schools are forcing children to be online sooner and sooner in India. Mm-hmm that uh, that there is this this quotient of this that the pa- parents cannot help the parents are feeling much more helpless out here okay is, is my read on the situation mm-hmm. because all of these fancier schools at five and six like you want to start have the kids start typing on on the ipad before they even learn to write makes no sense to me for yeah. me that is very trendy right now mm-hmm so, and that's a great point uh, dr karma parents are feeling more and more helpless here in india versus and in usa wahan pe to i don't think there is a is the pa, the parent child connect still existing or it's hard for me to say it would be mm-hmm. best if a pediatrician commented mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. what there what is different is when you say i even go for my own family for a for a mm-hmm. pediatrician visit they okay. ha- give me interestingly an ipad <laughs> to fill out <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but that's just to save time um mm-hmm. as to mm-hmm. how much time is mm-hmm. the child spending online mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and at that visit only the pediatrician will have a con- conversation with you on what is good what is bad so mm-hmm. the american academy of pediatrics is very active in the recommendations it makes and it's act- actually mm-hmm. recently also did a brain study which kind of proves that too much early exposure to screens and too much time spent on screens Mm-hmm. decreases the brain development which we we mm-hmm. knew uh, intuitively but uh, just a new study came out a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. which was immensely interesting again it was a small sample size unless we have like thousands of people studied with mri uh, we will not know conclusively but these yes. things are proving what we are seeing in clinic mm Mm-hmm. So um that's the one difference over here of course the better thing is that you have you know community you have everybody in your building yes. or in your society yes. that yeah. you can play yeah. with yes um so traditionally when we were growing up that those would be the people we were playing with right yes. now yes. what parents are saying is even if i tell my child my teenager or my young adult to go play mm. with others the hmm. three girls or boys will sit together in the room and they will be just texting on their phones with other people they're not even talking to each other so we make you connect so we try to that's align the, the stars that's a dangerous sign that that's a terribly dangerous sign what do you say no it's not a dangerous sign hmm. this is the way that people are socializing now so to okay. say that to tell one child to not do it but mm-hmm. other children has to learn how to do it it's going to be kind of like the herd has to change not one person Mm-hmm. so this has to be much more awareness has to be made for this cause ki bhai everybody has the screen free time whether it's the weekend mom and dad both have to switch off their laptops 
and be yeah. with the kids or whatever you have to have some screen free time that you are interacting with each other so if you tell one person okay no you are not on whatsapp you're not doing anything else and all mm-hmm. of their other classmates are on whatsapp and talking about i don't know the latest movie or whatever and this mm-hmm. person will feel left out that is not the point the point is to have a cohesive discussion in a community or in a school setting how are mm-hmm. we going to schedule time that is screen free absolutely great dr kanavar could you um, elaborate on the point of why addiction happens uh, why do people get hooked onto a device or an internet gaming wonderful question ms bhatia so ms bhatia the brain works with chemical messengers as you know mm. but i'm talking mm. for your mm. audience mm. so one part of the brain communicates um, uh, an impulse uh, to another part of the brain with chemicals so there are mm. two chemicals that i would like to talk about one is dopamine and other is serotonin Hmm. So dopamine is the reward chemical. You know, you practice very hard for a race, you ran and you then you got a gold medal. That instant of joy or reward hmm. is basically dopamine. Hmm. Uh serotonin is the chemical that tells you everything is okay and sab theek hmm. ho jayega and hmm. I'm very happy and satisfied in life. That is the satisfaction hmm. chemical, okay? Hmm. Hmm. So now both of these chemicals are very important for life. There are no chemicals hmm. that are inherently good or inherently bad. Life is what hmm. we make of it, okay? Hmm. Hmm. When you have a substance, what happens is instead of getting that one gold medal, you feel like you got 10 gold medals. This is in case of any addictive substance, okay? Mm. Uh and uh, if you think about it in our media this is what we see this mm. actor or that actress got so much fame and that's what give makes him or her happy mm. but we all know at the end of the day and buying a mercedes or um you know being extremely famous that's not really true it does does not really equate with happiness what equates yes. with happiness is being satisfied or be having a purpose giving back to the community doing social work these are the things that trigger serotonin and give you the happiness hmm. what happens in case of say you are uh, addicted to facebook hmm. let's take that for an example you hmm. decide you have all of this network you decide to share a post hmm. now once you share a post you, hmm. what are you doing hmm. you're waiting for a like you're waiting hmm. for a reshare you're waiting yeah. for a comment Hmm. but that comment or share or like is unpredictable you might hmm. check your phone 500 times before you even get the first comment hmm. right say you you posted something at 3 in the morning uh, hmm. unwisely and you stayed hmm. up for 2 hours and all your friends are asleep you're not going to get hmm. up and comment but you're going hmm. to spend those 2 hours waiting for some likes hmm. uh, for example so whenever hmm. you have what we call this is called a variable reward Mm-hmm. whenever you have a situation where you do an action and you keep waiting for that reward mm-hmm. and it's unpredictable maybe you posted once and within 2 minutes you got a like and the next mm-hmm. time you post you didn't get a like for 2 days mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. reward uh, hooks you it's very addictive to the brain because you're constantly mm-hmm. searching for the dopamine but not getting it mm-hmm. that is how people get hooked to social media because it is a variable reward it's almost like gambling you know you mm-hmm. put a penny in the slot machine and you're waiting for $200 to come out but you don't know mm-hmm. which penny the, those $200 are going to come out mm-hmm. okay so Absolutely. that is very addictive so that's how social media whether it's tiktok whether it is um twitter whether it is facebook all of them mm-hmm. are designed mm-hmm. to make somebody money and how you make somebody money is by hooking you to that device 
So essentially, if you want to detox yourself off of Facebook or Twitter or any of these things that you're using, you can feel free to put, put that post whether you need it for work or personal reasons, but do not wait for the reward. That is the basic idea. That's the theory, which in an old filmy style would be karam ki eja fal ki aasha mat kar. That is the awesome. one. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Kanabar. What a great conversation. Thank you very much, Ms. Bhartia. I hope you have a safe trip back to US. Thank you very much. Great conversation with Dr. Kanabar. In case you have any questions, you can write to us on our website, Epilogue Media. Check us out. You can also connect to us on various platforms that we are present on, which is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, which is Epilogue Media and Metaphysical Lab. Thank you for listening, guys. I'm your host, Suchita, signing off. And I'll see you guys next week with another episode of the SOS Show. Do not forget to rate us uh, on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to this podcast on any of the podcasting platforms, which is Apple, Google, Geo7 and all the important podcasting platforms. See you guys next week.